0: Presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board, this is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast, the podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland.
1: Welcome to the Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. When we studied our top evangelistic churches in the Southern Baptist Convention, we used a word to describe their attitude on Sunday mornings, that word, expectant. We found out that they expected two groups to be in attendance, and one's not a group, but hang with me. First of all, they expected God to be in attendance, and secondly, they expected guests to be in attendance. Here's what we discovered, that there was a high emphasis on prayer and spiritual awakening, Top evangelistic churches prayed for lost people by name and talked a lot about revival and spiritual awakening. They expect God to show up on Sundays and impact lives, and they expect the gospel to bring about life transformation. They also expect guests to be in attendance. When I say expect guests, it means more than they expect guests to be there. It means they prepare for guests. Top evangelistic churches prepare for guests on Sundays the same way you would prepare for important guests coming to your own home. They prepare with things like parking ministry, signage, uh, connection cards, greeters, greeting time, follow up. They don't hope their people are friendly. They are building it into the DNA and, more importantly, into the systems of the church. So let's take a quick break, and when we return, I'll be joined by our co host, and we'll hear what one top evangelistic church has to say about welcoming guests i'm joined today by my co-host scott smith scott you've been in a lot of churches in your ministry What kind of difference does it make when a church has their act together when it comes to welcoming guests? Well, it
0: makes a very significant difference, and what I'm finding is it makes more of a difference than the average pastor realizes. Uh, Depending on the study you read, uh, people decide within six minutes, some studies say eight minutes, of getting out of the car in the parking lot as to whether or not they're going to return to the church. So those first six minutes are critical. Uh, Whether or not we like it. Uh, the fact is, people are carnal in their thinking. Most of our guests are well, I, a better word would be temporal mm-hmm. in their thinking. So they're looking at the unspiritual aspects of our church. They're looking at are, is there signage? You know, do they know where to go? Uh, are are, there be, are they being greeted in a friendly way? Uh, what are you going to do with their kids? I mean, yeah. those types of things matter. And so, uh, so absolutely, whether or not a church has optimized their guest, uh, you know, their guest, their processes around being guest-friendly really does make a difference. So you know, six or eight minutes,
1: depending on what the study says, really not much of a difference there. The truth is when a guest pulls on your parking lot, we're talking about six minutes from the time they put it in park and the time they – from that point forward. Look, they've not heard a song They've not experienced worship. Mm -mm. They've not heard your sermon. Mm -mm. So here's what you know. Before you say, take your Bibles and turn to, they already know if they're coming back to
0: your church. Pretty much, in in most cases. And so uh, you've got some critical moments. There's a very small window there. And a lot of churches haven't even thought about that yet.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little overwhelming for a pastor because we sit around on Sundays and I mean, during the week and we think, man, the better I make this sermon, you know, people are going to come and and they're going to be great. And all the while that we have, you know, really offended people in our sanctuary. We have confused people in our sanctuary. And, you know, when you look at things like signage, it's not just poor signage. Sometimes it's, incorrect signage yes you know the nursery moved three years ago but nobody's taken the arrow that's pointing right and turned it over and pointed it left now yeah and you know a lot of us would say well everybody knows we moved it you know we voted on that three years ago and did that remodel (laughs) but a first-time guest has no
0: idea yeah and if the shrubs are growing an inch a week you don't notice when they cover the whole front windows across (laughs) the entire front of the church so we don't have fresh eyes sometimes and we'll talk about some of that later in this podcast but um you know it 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 is important to get fresh eyes uh, as a guest and it's actually kind of difficult but there are checklists
1: yeah and i think what happens is you know curse of knowledge you see it every sunday i mean you see it every week and you know the 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 poorly done parking lot or the the poorly the bathrooms that smell bad or yeah you, you know all that is just like oh yeah we know we have a problem there we need to fix it but there are people who are coming in the very first time you're imprinting a first impression on them and really I mean, I don't care how good your sermon it is. They're not.
0: If they could get their kids now and go home, they would. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you actually just did a drive by, <laughs> and so I want to fill it in. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you said curse of knowledge in passing, yeah. and that's a language you and I use quite a bit because uh, you know we we've kind of developed our own language, I guess, in studying some of this stuff. But that phrase is important. I think there's a story behind it, and I, if you don't mind me sharing no, do it, it, do it. Do uh, it. The curse of knowledge we talk about quite a bit, especially as it relates to. Um, being guest-friendly, and it comes from a study done by Stanford University uh, University in 1990 uh, by a graduate student in psychology named Elizabeth Newton. She illustrated this thing that was later called The Curse of Knowledge by studying a simple game in which she assigned people you know, one of two roles. The two roles were tapper and listener. And uh, so each tapper was asked to pick a well-known song such as Happy Birthday and just tap it out on a table. And the listener's job was to guess the song just from hearing the taps. Now, o- over the course of Newton's experiment, 120 songs were tapped out. Listeners, however, only guessed three of the songs correctly, <laughs> which is, is stunning. That's a, the, the, that's a 2.5 success rate, 2, 2.5%. Uh, but before they guessed, Newton asked the tappers, and this is where it gets interesting, she asked the tappers to predict the probability that listeners would guess correctly. Now, the tappers predicted that 50%, half the time, they said, well, half the time that when they hear me tap this, they'll be able to get it. The tappers got their message across one time in 40, but they thought they would get it across one wow. time in two. And the reason is, is because when a tapper taps, it's impossible for the tapper to avoid hearing the song in their head. And it's right. also impossible for them to imagine not having the knowledge of the song from the tap. So uh, we call that the curse of knowledge. It's been called the curse of knowledge. And we bring the curse of knowledge to church with us, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. not just in major terms like sanctification and sure. be saved and some of those things, especially in you know uh, a post-Christian, uh, post-modern culture, but also uh, we do it with the guest experience. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we assume way
1: too much because of the curse of knowledge 'Cause it is. We, we if you've grown up in church, man, you know you know your life. But like you you have to really if you're like me, I have to really reprogram myself. Uh, this Sunday I preached from the book of John. So I, I caught myself, I said, Hey, turn to John chapter ten, and then about thirty seconds into the, me starting, I said, Hey, let me hey, in case you don't know, uh the the Bible's divided into two books, Old Testament and New Testament. Hey, the New Testament starts about sixty percent of the way through your Bible if you have it. And uh, the book of John is uh the fourth book in the New Testament. Now Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now those were not three those were not four reject Beatles. Those were the four guys that right. wrote the books. And honestly, if you don't know where it is, it's not a problem. You just look in the front of your Bible or tap it on your digital device. Person next to you probably doesn't know it either, right? Yeah. Because you know, we think we turn to Malachi and yeah, if you've been in church twenty years, yeah. you know where Malachi is. Yeah, and it, you say you say
0: turn to John. There's oh, by the way, there's four. That's right,
1: exactly right. There's <laughs> a which, lot, of which books is more than most John.
0: churches uh, have. And, and <laughs> nothing more embarrassing than finding yourself in the wrong John. So, <laughs> so you, you got to get them the right John. But we do. We absolutely do. Assume how how to map Scripture. You know that people know what the Ark of the Covenant is. I mean, go yeah, down that, the it's, list
1: ex- exa- with no explanation. That's why. The average pastor, you, you know, your sermon is a series in this generation. Like, like that thing you preached with three points now needs to be three sermons because this generation has very little biblical literacy, and you have the curse of knowledge.
0: Right. You, Absolutely. You know, we, Absolutely. And we forget sometimes, some churches forget, that the front of their old sanctuary still looks like the front of their church. Yes. You know, even though yes. they've been meeting in the Family Life Center for the last five years. And yep. so – You know, uh, that can be very frustrating to to a new guest, things like that. Any guest arriving at an odd time
1: um, doesn't see a crowd moving, you know, and it gets confusing. Well, recently Ken Witten, pastor of Iowa Baptist Church in Florida, gave a seven-point checklist that he has his church be aware of on welcoming guests. Let's listen to this.
2: Hey, I want to do a couple things with you uh, today. Number one, I want to give you something real practical. I'm going to give you seven checkpoints for guest relations when people come – your church that you've got to think about. You you can build a culture, you can get your people ready, but when they come to you, there's something that you've got to be able to do, and it's not rocket scientists, and it doesn't matter what size of church, you, you can do these seven things, and so I want to give you something practical, I want to do something personal, I want to share a little bit of a personal story with you, and then I want to do something prophetical with you just before we walk out. And we're gonna come back to Luke chapter seven in just a few moments. Um, let, let me give you the seven checkpoints for guests. When they come to you and they begin, let me give you seven things that people that you just it's kind of a kind of a, a laws, if you will, of, of guest relations, all right? And, uh, and and here's the first thing you need to understand. Here's principle, seven principles right here. Here's the first one. The checkpoints. Number one, Understand this, guests visit online before on-site. They're going to check out your website. And here's the question they're going to ask, what time do I leave? Because they want to know where you're located, what's it like there, what am I going to expect when I get there, and they're just checking out your website. So if you haven't updated your website in a while, you might want to look at that by the way, every church has gifted people. You've got technical people in your church that, that may, be, they, they may be a deacon, they may be a Bible fellowship, they may be a, a, a gal that sings in the choir, but if you as a pastor say, listen, could you help me? That's her church too. First of all, she'd been waiting for somebody to ask her. So don't get the idea that I've got to have a $50,000 in my budget. I can't do a website. That's just simply not true. If you'll pray about it and ask God, God will raise up. Because listen, God pays for what he orders. Check number two, checkpoint number two. Building anticipation communicates expectation. And, and they're, they're asking the question, where do I turn in? Robert Lewis wrote the book ten, about, it's been almost 15 years ago now that, that just kind of revolutionized my life and it was it, it, was, um, it was it was a book and in the book he asked this question he was talking about building bridges and, and the question he asked was if your church was gone tomorrow would anybody in your community miss you? and I thought to myself miss us? could they even find us? and so guest want to know, now when I'm driving here, where where do I go? Where do I turn in? Don't take it for granted that everybody knows how to get to your church and how to get in there. Because if you're always thinking about reaching other people that have never been there, they're asking that question. Checkpoint number three. Understand the principle. Outside intention drives inside attention. Outside intention drives inside attention. Attention. What, what, am, what do I mean by that? Outside intention. It means that be intentional. When they walk up, have you got anybody on the curb? Have you got anybody on the sidewalks? Have you got anybody welcome? Have you welcoming? Have you got anybody just loving on people? Because you're building some things outside, and that outside intention drives inside attention. They're going to pay attention to what I do, and they're going to want to know where do I not just where do I turn in, where do I park? Do you have a place there for first-time guests and visitors? Number four. At the first blush, when you hear this, don't please don't judge me as a guy that doesn't love theology. I think theology is very very important. But let me tell you, before you get an opportunity, it was Vances said uh, he was quoting somebody that said. Uh, Maybe he's quoting Andy Stanley, or maybe it was Joel that quoted Andy. Joel, I think you did, quoted Andy Stanley. The gospel's going to be offensive. Let's don't be offensive before we get a chance to give them the gospel. That's this one right here. Here it is. Checkpoint number four, friendly eats theology for breakfast. <laughs> friendly eats theology for breakfast. They do not care how much you know till they know how much you care, right? They don't. They, don't. they just don't. And you know what? If you, as, as pastor and leader and staff, begin to build that culture that, hey, listen, Goober says, hey, we love you here. Here's uh, checkpoint number five. Because they want to know, how do I enter the building? That's the question. Checkpoint number five is excited children beget engaged parents. Excited children beget engaged parents. When you pat a little kid's head, you are patting a mama's heart. And, and, and they're wanting to know, what do I do with my kids? What do I do with our preschool? We've had some people come to our church and do what we call secret, uh, secret shopper. And I'll ask them to come in. And I may know they're there, but none of our church know. And they come in, and they just take notes. And they'll bring their family. And the, you want to do this, it, you won't like what you, when you do it, but you ought to do it anyway. It's a test market, but let them come in and, let them, and then let them tell you at the end what they experienced. When they come to your welcome center or to your guests or something, keep in mind what you think is happening may not be what's happening. When they say, hey, uh, listen, we're, we're kind of looking for a church, and, and wh- why, w- why should we come? Could you just give me that and me a Reader's Digest? Listen, have you heard our pastor preach? Oh, my soul! Have you heard our music? And they'll do a lower room identity, right? We want to take, I, I, we had a friend of mine went to a church. It wasn't our church, but it could have been our church. It went to our church. It was another church, and he went in, and he had his uh, kids with him, and he, uh, he said to the lady, he said, listen, where, where do we where do we take our kids she said see that door right there just walk through that door and then there'll be a little breezeway and you'll walk through another door and there'll be somebody right there he said you know this is the first time gave her another chance this is the first time that we've ever ever been here she goes it's really not that hard honest just walk through that door and then walk through the breezeway and then take another he said okay um he went in the worship center and the pastor was baptizing And the pastor was baptizing this person and said, Listen, here's old Michael here. Michael here, he's... uh, Michael here has been sleeping with about every person around in this town. And old Michael has been living with a girl. And and, I didn't think that girl might be here today, but boy, Michael's turned his life around. My my secret shopper friend showed up in staff meeting the next day. And he walked through and said, Pastor, I just got to tell you this. It wasn't the pastor, it was another guy. He said, listen, I'm surprised you haven't got a lawsuit sitting on top of you. He said, first of all, you embarrassed the lady out there. He said, I understand what you were trying to say, but what you were trying to say doesn't always communicate to people out there. And they looked at the lady and said, I gave you three opportunities to get me to your preschool." Listen, I'm not fussing at that church, because the person that did secret shopping at our place went to ours, and it wasn't much better. Bless God, I wasn't baptizing that Sunday. That's probably the only reason why he he didn't nail me, right? But but the things you think are happening and information they don't know, and here's what they'll hear. Listen, won't you talk to one of our pastors? He can tell you. He can help you. And and that's just one of those things that we say, whoo, how well are we doing, okay? How about checkpoint number six? Impact occurs in next steps. Impact occurs in next steps. And here's the question they want to know. Where can I get help? Where can I get help? You know, when you, Pastor, when you, do a, when you do a message, if there's something practical, you've, you've encouraged them to be a part of something, man, have a table. Do something small. Do something out there where immediately they can walk out there and they can start engaging. And, and the person that's visiting, he just wants to know now, what's my next step? What do I do next? Do I come back and hear a sermon again? What are you saying next week? Do I do what is tonight about? What's Wednesday night about? Is there a, what happens with their kids? We think they already know, but they've never been in church. They have no idea what it's about. They'll ask you like they've asked me. They'll say, Well, what how much are the dues around here? You're going, dues? Like D O? No, D U E. And 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 they'll ask those kind of questions. Because they don't know. Checkpoint number seven, the fourth smile matters most. The fourth smile matters most. Who's greeting me today? Who who do you have at the doors? Do you have any African Americans at the door? Do you have any Hispanics at the door? Do you have any Asians? What does heaven look like? What's your church look like? And what do you want it to look like? Are they all 65 plus? because those are the people that are the most faithful. They've been doing it, and that's been his door for 25 years. Now, there's nothing, I'm not being critical of that. Thank God for those builders in our church, because where would we be without them? But has anybody asked the 20-year-olds to serve at that, do that? Or would they have to wear a tie to do it? Because that's kind of what the other guys wear. And, you know, sometimes we don't even think about that. The gospel is important. Doing what you do biblically and theologically is very, very important. But if you're going to build an evangelistic culture, it isn't just about everybody knowing what to say when they knock on the door and having a culture that says we're going to go out and everybody's excited about reaching more people. Because, first of all, it won't last long if they think they're just reaching more people so you can have a bigger church and you can go somewhere else they
1: smell that real quick. Scott, there's so much to talk about. Ken was just brilliant in, in that. Uh, let, let's try to hit a few of those uh, that he mentioned. Uh, the first one was really important, I think, for a lot of churches. Guests visit online before they visit
0: on the actual physical location. Man, that in all that you do, you've seen the same thing, right? Yeah, that's sort of become a, a hobby and a strategy, uh, some strategies of mine as well. I, I think that they not only check out your website, they, they hit usually your Google listing first, where they're looking at reviews and ratings. Now, I'd say most churches in the country don't have those yet, uh, but it's changing quickly. People are finding out that you know they can sit in service and give their opinion of the church before they even leave, and usually that's done on Google, sometimes on Yelp and Facebook as well. So that's another they're checking you out. Mm-hmm. They are checking you out online. Um and you know eventually they do get to your website and what we found is the first thing they're looking at, the most the most popular page on your website is the one that talks about service times. Make sure you mm-hmm. have a button or just have it on the home page of when your service times are. What great, what gave me a great idea listening to Ken is uh maybe have something that says we usually finish about yeah yeah, who who would have thought twelve twenty or yeah, whatever? Exactly. Just, you know, this service usually finishes about. You know, you may actually attract more guests just by adding that in. Yeah, um, and you can be general. You can, you know, just about thereabouts yeah. or you know whatever. But the second page would be uh, any kind of activities page. People love to look at activities, and I tell you what, they're looking for. Especially parents are looking for what you have for their kids. Yeah, and then uh, the third would be a map or location or direction and uh, a page and or. You know, area of the website they're looking for that. And Joel, I you know, as recently as last week, I saw another church website that literally did not have an address on it, <laughs> did not have a city and state on it. It didn't have anything about the location of the church. Again, curse of knowledge. Uh-huh. They just assume people know where Calvary Baptist Church is in their uh-huh. town, and it's not even on the website. And they don't even know if they're at the right
1: website. They don't even know don't. is this in Tennessee, Georgia, or Texas? We exactly. don't know. And um, I would say this for, for pastors, I think everybody needs a website. I mean, you literally can get one for 20 bucks a month now that's plug and play if you had to do it that way. But if you can't get a website for whatever reason, um, there, you mentioned two critical places that you can get online traffic from and can give out the information one is a Google review. And two is a Facebook page.
0: Yeah, most churches already have a Google listing. It's mm-hmm. a maps listing. It gives your your gives your times and your website link and all that. If you don't have a website, um, you know, you could start a Facebook page for free. And chances are if somebody if you fill that page out uh, in the about section with the address and all that and somebody types in the name of your church, city and state, chances are that Facebook page will the link will come up on the first page of Google. Yeah, and
1: you just need to uh, put as much activity out there. I mean, within reason, on the Facebook page, but make sure it right. looks
0: good. Uh, cover photo, real photo. Uh, you know, description, it, service times. Yeah, a lot of that website information you put on the Facebook
1: page. Yeah, and on the Facebook page, you or the website, you don't put deacons' meeting or choir practice. The, these are these are these are front-facing pages for people who don't know Christ. Like your members don't need your website. Right. One of the funniest things to me used to be this trend towards membership church membership websites where you had to go log in to your church members aren't going to your website they know everything that's going on it's guests who are going to your website and right. we have to keep that in mind as a front-facing uh, page a- another thing he said was and we could cover a lot of it but friendly eats
0: theology for breakfast it, it does uh, for, for guests now again he's not saying and we're not saying your theology doesn't matter no. it does no. matter but that is not uh, – that's not how you get a foot, a foot in the door with guests. They're not thinking – they don't know theology. No. But they, they do know whether or not they feel significant. They know whether or not they feel like they belong. They know whether or not they feel feel like they're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're gauging on those uh, felt needs or, you know, again, it may be more carnal, more temporal. But that's, that's how they're evaluating at that point. Yeah, and we just have this idea – Because
1: a lot of pastors think, well, we we still have this Bible Belt mentality of, and the Bible Belt's gone. I mean, there's no such thing really anymore. And we still have this Bible Belt mentality that, well, if I have the best theology, that will attract people to my church. Now, again, I'm all for good theology. Like, I I demand it, right? It's got to be good theology. But you
0: can't get people good theology that don't come into your building. Yeah right right you 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 attract people but usually it's a it's a sheep swapping yeah. scenario you're attracting other believers that are already versed up and that that are that are anal, that are evaluating churches based on theology they're already born again
1: yeah and I, the last thing I want to talk about is is an idea Ken actually introduced to me and that was the next steps station I had just told you I want to repeat the story before we came on air that we just set up at, at uh, where I go the next steps station we spent about fifteen hundred bucks getting a you know, nice little display area and, and set up a little table and we bought some extra, extra large t-shirts that we told staff members after the service, would you go back there and just pull an extra, extra large t-shirt over your clothes? Like, you know, just take your, your polo and just pull this t-shirt over it. And and so we put a picture of the next step station on the screen with a staff member standing in front of it with a t shirt and we have a couple volunteers that work it as well. And, um, this past Sunday, uh, not preaching evangelistic message. For example, we've only had it two weeks. We've had about 10 visitors to the Next Steps in the last two weeks, uh, all wanting to know how to be baptized, how to join the church, or how to be saved. We had a young couple come by this past Sunday, met with a staff member, and just said, hey, we're, we're not Christians, and we just heard him give the gospel, and we we had some questions, and can you answer those questions for us? And he did. And the Next step station, pray with them to receive Christ before it was over. And all I'm saying is, if you have questions about the Next step and following Christ, we have a place set up for you, and you recognize it because it says next step in big, bold letters.
0: That may not sound like much. Oh, it's brilliant. May not, I mean, yeah, it's but, brilliant. You know, I, people are confused nowadays. They, they, they just don't know, and he really did a great job bringing that home. You know, one of the things when we started studying a lot of and researching a lot of things like what make because, like I said, do a lot of social media – what makes a great Facebook video post? What makes a great, you know, Facebook post or whatever – and and one of the things was always give a call to action. Always, mm-hmm. This whole mm-hmm. so now that's part of our language. What's the call to action? Mm-hmm. And 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 now I'm seeing that through every sermons. I mean everything that people need to be told what to do. Yes, the simplest thing. So you never you never end a sermon. You never end a Facebook post. You never end a blog post. You never end anything without some kind of a next step direction. People need to be told what to do. And it's amazing uh, when you fill in that gap how people respond. Mm-hmm. The idea of a next step station is brilliant because it's general enough that it's yeah. like you can literally say whatever. If you're confused about what your next step is in your spiritual life, sure, uh, meet us at the tent, and that people could come for all kinds of things yeah, because they don't they don't know.
1: And so we baptized 14 people Sunday to start the service with, and mm-hmm. there's somebody out there in the audience going, "Why are those people getting dunked in water?" Like, yes. what, what, what why are we taking a bath right now? I don't yes, get it. Right. And as much as you explain it in the beginning, maybe they don't get it. And so that's why I say, hey, if you just have a question about what baptism was today, we, we've we got some people out here who'd love to talk to you because they just don't know. We're in the culture that baptism can mean anything from sprinkling as a baby in a Catholic church to something that doesn't even have anything to do with water. Absolutely. And so they yep. don't know. Yep. They don't know, depending on their culture. So next steps, just to say, whatever your question is, we can find the answer. Yep. is yep. Love that. It's great. So, Pastor, here's your next step. Scott <laughs> <laughs> set me up. Here's your next step. Find out what's happening on your campus in the first six minutes when a guest pulls on your campus. And then Ken gave you seven great things you can do to get the ball rolling. Find someone who can lead first impressions at your church, and this week, Understand friendly each theology for breakfast and figure out a way to be friendly in the first six minutes.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. To find out more about leading your church on mission, be sure and check out the blog www.namb.net forward slash Your Church on Mission. To send in a comment or question, email it to evangelism at namb.net.